And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast review that myself, Paul Muadib, and my good friend Joe Fremming uh, do uh we try to do it every week, but we run into times where we can't. Joe, we had a little bit of a break. How are you doing, sir? I was doing better until I had to hear this album. Yeah, so we are doing uh, Ice Nine Kills' uh, latest release uh, at this time, The Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorwood. Uh, this was a fan request. And I want to make it very clear, Joan, I think we should discuss this just for a minute, uh, as we don't really talk much before the podcast. I I, I, I know your experience with the Joe Down. <laughs> you guys don't do fan requests anymore. Yep, we made that mistake, Paul. We made that mistake. We don't make it anymore. In yep. fact, when people suggest a movie to us that we already have, like, kind of on a back burner that we're going to do, we typically then put save it for the next year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> just, nice. Just to be snarky. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, nope. We're, we were going to do it, but you had to go and ask us to do it. And now we're, now we're just like putting it on the back burner. We we were so burned by three seasons of Fuller House that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I typically don't. Yeah. So I don't like doing it that for that reason. And then uh, with this, I, I won't. I know you said you're going to do it. I yeah. won't take fan requests just for the simple thing is like, I don't want people thinking we're going to be really into something they suggest and then mm-hmm. we end up shitting all over it. Yeah. So this that, is, uh, I feel bad. Yeah. That. And I, it doesn't make me feel good, but I have to be honest when it's like a, a group is just not my thing. And especially when it comes to heavy metal, like that there's so many like sub genres and everything that everybody has their own thing that they gravitate to. And mm-hmm. if I don't re- react or relate to anything, I'm pretty harsh about it. Yes, and I think that you brought up something that I really wanted to to you know hammer on before we start this is I, again I'll take the fan reviews, but you got to understand that just like Joe said, I have to be honest. I don't want to go hurting fans' feelings. You know, music is such a subjective, personal thing that you know, two guys. You know, we talk about it. You know, you and I have both of us had our own kind of world you know world life in music in different ways and so that's why we have this podcast and discuss it and sorry my dog was freaking out um so um but yeah i i you know i encourage it like if you know you really wanted to bring it to us but please i don't want anyone being hurt or upset um, you know, that, oh my gosh, you didn't like what we put out there. Like, just understand that we have to be honest about the review that we're giving on this particular album. Um, especially with band I never heard of, right? Like I get it. There's bands that I enjoy that I know people don't. And that's because maybe I saw them in concert or a special person introduced me to them, or is at a certain point in my life and I heard a particular song and that's what led me down the rabbit hole of liking a particular band. You and I do not have that experience, especially with artists we've never heard of, um, or, you know, the fan requests on things. Cause I, I, I will say with this Ice Nine Kills, I did not know about them until this fan brought them up to me. Did you know about them? Yep. 
Okay. So you knew kind of what we were getting into. I did not. Um, and I wanted to do a lot of research on this because especially bands I don't know about, I guess, what is, what did you know about ice nine kills and kind of what was your experience with them with me having none? I just knew they were like a metal band. Uh, I knew it was a style just from the little bit I've heard, not my thing. Mm -hmm. And that was basically it. Like it just, again, when it comes to metal, like I gravitate towards certain things that I like, and Mm -hmm. this is not what I particularly, particularly enjoy about with, of a metal genre. This was just, for me, it just, it wasn't, there's moments I, I, I'll, you know, I'm not going to complete. There's moments on the album I thought, okay, I kind of like that. But yep. overall, it's just like I gravitate toward more like just like the weird droney stuff. Like I love Wolves in the Throne Room. I love Boris. I love uh, Sun. I love mm-hmm. uh, Mastodon, Lamb of God. I love all those bands. Yeah, so yeah this, Mastodon. This is kind of like more poppy. Uh, emo pop it reminds me a lot of the music that came out in the late 90s and early 2000s like emo emo punk mixed with what what was like kind of like new metal-ish yes yes and i really did not like that genre of music then and it really i haven't softened on that stance over the years i've discovered Mm -hmm. so yeah, so Ice Nine Kills falls into metalcore, post-hardcore, melodic hardcore, and symphonic metal. Um, I guess you know, and again, we I'm only taking we're only taking a snapshot on one of their album, but I guess in their start in their early early, um, they were a ska punk band at one point. You can and I you can hear that in this. I think um, so. I just want to talk a little bit about the band itself because, again, this is nothing I knew of. So I went and did a lot of research on it. Um, so as you and I talked about the end of the last podcast that we did, um, the name comes from the substance Ice Nine um, from Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> yep, yep, the substance that causes the end of the world. <laughs> yes. So um, Ice Nine Kills was founded the year you and I graduated. Uh, so in 2000, they came together and their demo was entitled the pop punk sky years. And it wasn't even re- I guess it, they had it in 2002, but they didn't even release it till 2009. Um, they had like a real EP that they did. Um, and there was, there's been a lot, I don't know what's going on, but there's been a lot of turmoil in the band. So the the band was started by Spencer, um, and I'm going to butcher the name. I'm always terrible with last names. Um, Charnas and Jeremy Schwartz, and they've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve past members of the band leaving um, from over these 22 years, which isn't unusual, but it's always like, it's also kind of to me, like what is going on there when you have a band that's losing that many members and bleeding out that many people. Um, but I, I, if I remember correctly too, this is something that happens like with the metal, um, genre, a lot of times that they find other, you know, they're always doing like other little things. And uh, there's a lot of, you're not like super successful, like within the first five years, Mm-hmm. And you only get like you know this seems like a working band more mostly 
Yes. So it's like that's what's going to happen because original members are going to get old and they're like, hey, you know, it's like the Todd Berry thing about Fugazi. You know, like, yeah. Hey, can we charge like maybe instead of $5 a show, maybe 10 so I don't have to sleep on your floor anymore? <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah. No, and I think that's a valid point is that once again, you get people that, I, yeah, I think that's a good thing there you brought up where, hey, we haven't hit it yet. So I'm going to leave. And then, you know, bands either hit, they don't. But yeah, they're a working band. I mean, I think one of their one of their big breakouts was in 2009 for the Warp Tour. Um, and that's what really got them. Um, and that's also when they started to shift. So Swartz left the band in 2009. And this is when they shifted to experimental metalcore. Um, and then they had some success out there. They're on, you know, they were in the warp tour a couple of times. Um, and by now the only original member on the band is Spencer. Um, everyone else who has started there when in 2000 is left and gone. And they, there's some self-referencing and we'll talk about that in the album. Um, but yeah, so really that's what they've really become known for now is the Silver Scream series is the Silver Scream and Silver Screams 2, which is where they're really focused on making music around um, um, horror genre. Yep. Um, unfortunately, on January 1st, New Year's Eve, um, their former, uh, one of their bassists passed away right after the success of Silver Scream. Um, I will tell you, I dug into that. I'm not, you know, addiction's a hell of a fucking thing. When you see a 31-year-old person pass away on January 1st, you kind of know what happened there. Mm -hmm. um, you know? Yeah, it's, um, it's it, you know, I think a lot of people know people people or family members or friends who've gone through addiction. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. And I'll never, you know, make fun of it or point anything at it. No, but no, it is not. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's a horrible experience because there's nothing you can do. Really. There, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do. So it took them a couple months to, um, um, to, you know, work things out. And then, you know, a March, um, another basis left. And so there's just, there, you know, there's been a lot of turmoil in terms of what they've done. So I will say the fact that with everything going on, Spencer is a hell. I mean, this guy is not going to give up. <laughs> no, and, and that's good. I mean, and again, that's great. This is a popular band. Like, I'm in, I know I'm in the minority not being a big fan of them. That's fine with me. You know, like they're lots of people like them. Like they, they played Fargo, I think like this year and like, you know, believe in a pretty good turnout. So yeah, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just not my thing, man. Not my thing. Even yeah. though it, horror movies and heavy metal are like, I love, it's just how it's the, how it's, how it's packaged here is just not my thing. Yeah, you know, and uh, and I'll, I'll you know I'll I'll start there too. Is this should hit everything for me? Like I I should love this album. Um, theory, you know, from me and knowing what I am, I love horror movies. I I like metal. Um, I you know this should be like a a, a slam dunk for me. Um. And there are things that work and there's things that don't work for me. And we'll talk about that as we go through the songs. But um, yeah, so with this album, um, it came out in uh, 
2021. Um, and there's a lot of people that were involved and helped out on this. Um, it, we'll talk about the, the rating of it and like the reception of it afterwards. Um, but I think we should just get into it. Uh, so silver scream to welcome to Horrorwood uh, opens up. Uh, let me get my track listing. Here we go with the opening night. I this okay. So this kind of tricked me because you know it's like so this is kind of like a a nod to the intro to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have the narrator explaining a grisly scene and it hasn't been discovered until to till today or whatever. Yep. So I'm like, okay, I can get into it because I'm kind of a you know horror-infused metal, like, you know, I love my misfits, and I love Dan Marison's <laughs> God Kill, all the gods yeah. kill, you know? Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a huge Danzig fan, so, like, horror <laughs> stuff mixed with metal is, like, up there, and then, so this is like, okay, this may be not too bad, maybe, like, I misjudged this band for a while. You know, I'm thinking this, not even hearing one, <laughs> one note of music. Right. Right. And it, it it is it's for me it sets the tone for what it is in a different way. Um and and for me when I first heard it I was like ah you know I I don't know. I mean I I don't mind the horror thing but it also felt like it's somewhat in I mean especially since this is a very modern album like yeah you know he murdered his fiance. I <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just I don't know for me maybe I'm maybe I am getting too sensitive in some way shapes or form but I was like that's probably it felt a little tone deaf <laughs> and a little uh, like it's 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 horrorcore man like it's, yeah. it's I'm just yeah. I'm maybe I just cuz I'm so used to it that I it, it, that that's rare doesn't phase me but yeah. at all Nope, that's totally cool so I'll 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 uh, you know I will um concede to you on that one so then we get welcome to horrorwood yeah this is where it all starts going downhill <laughs> so, oh God. second sign just like it's going down yeah 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 i mean again i don't <laughs> there's things and we'll get to it when i the things i did like i think it's more when they get lean into the humor mm -hmm. I, I respond a little bit better to that so, like, so we kind of discussed this before i like we were chatting about that. And like, so when I think of like horror themed, like metal mm -hmm. punk or whatever, it, I, it, this sounds like such like generic emo screamo or whatever, whatever that, like when emo and metal met or whatever, it sounds yeah. like it's like these in this, you know, it sounds the same to me as, you know, uh, what was going on in the early 2000s, like Linkin Park and Papa Roach and shit. Like it was like in, I, it, you know, a lot more like, it, like it's like that genre, but it's like also like a uh, Pro Tools mess of like sudden jarring stops in the, in breaks. And yes. Like multiple overlaps of vocals, which I'm just like, it seemed confused to me. And I get it's a, this is part of their genre. So it's just something I'm not into. But so that, since I'm not into it, that's going to be my nitpicks. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so like, you know, that happens. And then it's just, it's totally all over the map musically for me. And I, I just, yes. You know, I, when I think of horror themed 
metal, like I'm thinking Hellbilly Deluxe. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. thinking of White Zombie and yes. Danzig and I'm thousand percent with you on that. Um, and the thing is, okay, so I, I'm glad you brought up Lincoln Park because I hear a lot of Lincoln Park throughout yeah, the film. I do too. <laughs> There is a lot of Lincoln Park. Um, Spencer had to be a big fan of Chester. Um, And so you feel that. The other thing that I feel in here, Joe, and this is going to sound weird because I kept going to Mr. Bungle, especially on the California album, where I was like, they're trying to do what I think Mr. Bungle and Mike Patton himself is really fucking good at, mm-hmm. is being able to stop and shift. And he... But Mr. Know, Bungle's organic with it. It feels like that's where the song should go, or this feels forced. Like Yes. It's, it's jarring on here where Mr. Bungle, it flows. And yeah, the, the breaks and changes are jarring, but they use it to their advantage. I, Exactly. And I don't want to discredit anyone here. First of all, I want to say Spencer is a damn good singer. Yeah. Uh, however, I will say that I prefer when it's more like rock, like, and there's a lot of My Chemical Romance in here as well. And I prefer that. And when he was bringing in some of the guests to do some more of the heavy metal stuff versus himself, I found myself finding that I enjoyed them than I did like he's a good singer but I don't I don't think he's as good when it comes to like to the death metal part of it it's more kind of that rock emo side of it he's much better leave it leave the 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 growling and the uh, to the guests is kind of my thought on that one from what I gathered the other thing that I also feel like is going on here is this feels very opera-esque um to me yes it tries to be somewhat of an opera and i don't know if that translates again the musicianship is very good but also the other problem is when going back to why do we like danzig and or dan marison and (laughs) and white zombie and rob zombie and the misfits and even um i'm gonna do thriller by michael jackson Mm -hmm. There's too many major chords throughout this album. There's not enough minors. There's yeah, things... minor chords are perfect for like a horror because it yes. has that inherent creepiness to minor in minor chords. Right. This is too bright for yeah. me in that regards. Like there's times where I was expecting the music to go a certain way because of the theme and the the vocals. And I gotta admit too, I struggled with a lot of the vocals in this in terms of just being, I mean, I found myself having to go in and listen to the lyrics for a majority of it because I just couldn't understand what he was saying. And that's why when we get to the particular song, I knew it wasn't just me. Like, I, I, cause when someone else comes in, I'm like, I can understand what that guy's doing and I can understand the words, but I can't with you, Spencer, like that's stick to the other stuff. Cause I feel like there's a lot of things here that are smart that you're saying, but I have no fucking clue how you're doing it and, and you know what you're saying it till I fucking take the time. And sorry, I'm driving. I don't want to look up the lyrics while I'm fucking driving. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Welcome to Horwood kind of starts out with this, you know, kind of like, like I said, like my chemical rants kind of emo. And then, you know, there's a lot of the, the pink Floyd, um, Beatles, psychedelic 
use of um, planting like telephones and real life stuff mm -hmm. mix, mixing yeah, samples, it yeah. samples, yeah, sampling, yeah, which yeah. is like again, it's a, it's a thing. But again, you know, like you said, it's like open chords and like why why say let's look at a song like is there anybody out there? The inherent creepiness is that it's an A minor. Yes. And it has atmosphere. And my pro one of my biggest problems with this album is, is how clean the production is for a metal album. Bingo. That was throwing me out of the fucking... Again, I pictured, instead of having like the creepy thing... So let's move on to Rash Decision, which is a song about Cabin Fever. Movie uh, I've never seen. And I, I really enjoy Cabin Fever. I think you'd like it. Um, there's actually two versions of it. It was done and it was remade, and both are really good. Um, and it's Eli Roth. But um, <clears throat> the my my mental image, like when I listened to when we did um, Hellbelly Deluxe, um, and we were listening to Danzig, like my mind goes to horror. When I'm listening to this my brain goes to queen <laughs> like and that's not what it should be doing my brain is going to seeing a band on stage and trying to do like this rock opery thing <laughs> it's like, as if lincoln park was trying to yeah <laughs> a day a night at the opera <laughs> that's exactly it like I'm, I'm picturing these guys on a stage at an opera performing these songs i'm not picking or seeing the the movie that they're trying to reference or the, the lyrics they're trying to do. Cause there's some dark and compliment the lyrics at all. It's the music is so far removed from what, except for like a few moments in the album, which we'll get to, but it's again. Yeah. That, it's just, again, it's too clean for like a horror theme movie. And it's kind of like my biggest gripe about modern horror movies today is they're also too clean. Yes. They're too shiny and whatever. And it's just like, you know, there's a, when it comes, like, this is going to be an off rant, but like, I, please, like, rant. the best thing about like why I gravitate towards 70s, 80s, and 90s horror movie is the grit on the film. And mm -hmm. that's because they're done cheaply. There was no HD cameras, nobody had, you know, so you had to get really low quality film stock to make these movies. And that just adds to the, like the inherent creepiness of it. Now everything's on HD cameras, and it just looks bad. Like I saw the trailer for that new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I'm like, I have no fucking interest in watching this. This doesn't look like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other thing is because that there was that graininess in the film that you're talking about. There was also creativity because <clears throat> the horror masters. Um, Tom Savini, um, mm -hmm. John Carpenter, Wes Craven, they knew that they were working with this low-grade film, and they used that to their advantage. There was creativity that yeah. stemmed from it. Toby the, Hooper, Sam yeah. Raimi, yes. all used it to their advantage. Mm -hmm. The other thing that pulls me out of a horror, that will pull me out of a horror movie faster than anything else, or even like a suspense or sci-fi movie, is the set. We have... Like, I don't know when this happened, but, you know, I, looking back at the old 70s, 80s, even 90s horror films, you know, someone's in a basement. It looks like they're in a basement. It's dirty. It's dusty, you know, and their clothes aren't clean. And, like, I'm watching these newer films. And, you know, and again, I watch a lot of Z-grade schlock. I really, really do. You know, if it's got, like, fucking 
one star on IMDb and it's free on fucking Prime, I've probably seen <laughs> the fucking thing. Okay. So well, that's where the magic is, man. That's where the magic is. That's where you find the really good, weird movies. Like, yeah. I, like, like I love Shudder, but whenever I see a Shudder original, I, I look up the reviews right away because it's, it's, it's usually glossy and super, uh, you know, looks really slick and i just don't like that in horror i just don't yeah and, and like one of the things that you know we saw was back in the day uh, filmmakers and people i, th- I don't and again they were working on a small budget they didn't worry about if a cl- like if clothing was going to get dirty or not in a scene you know when i see someone like uh like uh, i forget what movie it was i just watched it very briefly because i ended up turning it off because of the set design on it because i'm supposed to believe it's back in the 1800s and this person is wearing a perfectly white shirt with no dirt or no dust on it and with a with a 90s 2000 hairdo and I was like, oh my gosh. And then they go into this mine and the mine is squeakly clean. There's no <laughs> dust. There's no dirt. There's no anything. And I'm going, I, you know, I can buy into a lot of shit if you give me the right setting and scenery. Yep. And I, and I going back and why I'm saying here is that I don't feel like the setting and the scenery and the production matches what they're trying to do. So exactly, it's pulling exactly. me out. Get some. You know, like me, you know, it's like, this is so pro tooled cleaned up mm-hmm. that it's just, I mean, if we go back to the last album we talked about with Funhouse, the errors and the grit on the analog tape make it yes. work. And here it's just so clean and, and yeah. And to go back, there's, there's sterile there's, maybe is that right? Yeah. It's like, yes, a, like a it's dentist sterile. office, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's too clean. It, yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, you know, one of the things I praised and thought was really cool in that happens here in this album um, is, and I don't remember which particular song it was, which is another problem with the album. We'll get into that when we get there, <laughs> um, is that you could tell the drummer fucked up uh, at certain parts in, um, in Funhouse. It happens here. The problem is it works on Funhouse because of the way the production was, the fact of what it was. It doesn't work here because it is so is so sterile and funhouse and, and and clean and pro tools up that it becomes very much like why the fuck do the drums just do that? And like exactly. It's like you expect you listen to Funhouse, you expect the errors and that adds to the charms. Mm-hmm. You hear a bad drum beat on a Steely Dan album, it really kind of ruins the song. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yes, exactly. And again, there is some really good stuff here, like the lyrics talking about the movie. Like, we came here today to get away, but now perfect plans are all fading quickly. I cannot deny it's do or die. Infection grows immensely. Like, I know this is, and again, I know what, what cabin fever is. So, yes, you're hitting on the themes there. But I don't understand, number one, what the fuck you're saying over everything, the production and the vocals and everything. Like, it's just... And I know this got a lot of praise, and we'll get to that. But for me, I was like, God damn it. This is just pulling me out of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I want to like it. I want to like it. Yep. Yep. Because, again, I love the concept of the, the horror movies and all that. Yes. But, again, yes. it's just so – it's too clean. It's too – yeah. yeah. It's just, and so, it's all over the map, totally, and it just – 
the weird breaks and i just yeah i just yeah. it, it kind of yeah. just turns me off especially like on stuff where i'm like okay i'm kind of liking this and then it's just like oh my god you way overproduced this shit like yes. this is way too this is way too overproduced this is axel rose on chinese democracy overproduced mm -hmm. and there is there i will say there is a song that made it to my playlist off this album there is and when we get there we'll get there but even that one i'm like i, I you know the good outweighed the bad in it but definitely there was some bad in it but i can forgive it but um so next we get assault and batteries and i didn't mind this one i like this is one of the like so there's three songs on here that has elements i really liked and that's when they lean into the humor stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. here like so let's get out of the way. Child's yeah. Play is, is hands down the most unbelievable horror movie of all time. Absolutely. Because Chucky's, <laughs> the only way for Chucky to work is momentum, right? Because he doesn't have muscle or anything. Yep. He's like, he's a doll. So yep. like, even like if Chucky's running with the fastest momentum he can muster up, he still couldn't stab anybody. <laughs> yep. You know, yep. why don't any of these people just punt him off the building? <laughs> Right. Shove them in a bag and throw them in the river. It, it's so bad. Like, again, and as a kid, like, it, it was one of the first horror movies I saw, so it terrified me. But it also a lot that had to do with, it was more Brad Dorif than it was the yeah. doll. Dorif is, he's, <coughs> he's an MVP on a lot of things I like. Fuck yeah, he is. Uh, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yep. Uh, I loved him in Deadwood. Yes. He the alcoholic doctor. <laughs> like, I, he's just in so many things where... You're just like, holy shit, Brad Dorf is in oh, this. He was in Dune. He yep. was in David Lynch's Dune. And he was in I, I, what I think was the was the best, and it should, they should have gone off of it more, was on that line, was Exorcist 3. Yeah. Holy fuck. He was, I love that movie. Like, I think because Exorcist 2 was so bad, no one even gave Exorcist 3 a shot. And Brad Dorf in that is fucking amazing. Yeah, he's he's him and uh, George C. Scott. Yeah, and <laughs> he was like, in. This, yeah, yes. Exorcist 3 is actually really good. I saw that. We'll get into these two because they they show up in a video, I believe, uh, for the, the, the next song. But uh, I saw it on The Last Drive-In on Shudder with Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy the Male Girl. And I was just like, just blown away like i had no idea exorcist 3 was that good like it's because it was always like <laughs> yeah you know, everybody said it sucked well, because... I, well exorcist 2 was so bad so people are like god it could only get worse and no it got really good but yeah, so assault and batteries i like because it's playful you get mm -hmm. like basically a police or a tv news and obviously they don't have the rights to say right. the characters' names, but like, yep. you know, shoot out at a department store. It's basically set in the whole intro mm -hmm. of the first Child's Play movie. But what I do like is the the, the one of the melodies, because again, it's like they have 16 different melodies going yes. on at the same yes, time, they're... is the Toys R Us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to grow up. You won't You won't ever grow up. You won't make it past six. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, like the more playful stuff, like I kind of relate to more. Plus it also, that fits. Yes. Honestly, this is one of the things where it fits the, t the vibe of a child's play song. And if the, the more humor stuff to me fits more tonally with what they're doing musically. Exactly. Like if they did a, a humor is more like tongue in cheek with this <laughs> stuff, I think it would have gone over better for me. But again, a lot of people like it. So what the fuck do I know? 
Yeah, no, I'm with, yes, no, Joe, you and I are on are on the exact same page there, 100%. So the next one is um, is sour, Shower Scene, yeah. which is the, obviously um, Psycho. Psycho. And uh, yeah, the, the video has Joe Bob Briggs, I believe, as as the as a judge in the trial. With, mm-hmm. You know, they can't say Norman Bates or whatever, but uh, yeah. And again, like this was this, you know, it's uh, because you know it's basically recounting the plot of Psycho, and they yep. have like the elements where it sounds like the clash of the shower scene, the re 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 parts. Yep. Again, they're kind of leaning into like so. The, like these two songs are like leaning into like probably their the strengths of this band, and I don't know why they don't lean into that more. Yeah, hundred percent. And they really should. Now, the one thing I will say lyrically, like I don't know if he was struggling with this particular one, but like the chorus, I hope saying uh, good night doesn't mean saying goodbye. Now under the pressure, we're drowning together, going down the drain tonight, the drain tonight. Like I get that's a reference to the blood. Yeah, but, but it if, it, it's like he's combining like a breakup song with. Yeah, and it which just, is really weird because they in this context it would be Norman breaking up with his mom, and I you know I understand there's the incestuous nature in the film, but like we're going just by the film, it's just merely well hinted at. And well, and I will say with Psycho 2, the ending where he is fighting with his mother after getting out of jail and he's hitting her with the shovel, there might be pulls at that. But <clears throat> besides we're that, not, we're, not, we're not talking about Psycho 2. We're not we're talking, talking about Psycho, Psycho 2. Psycho. We're talking about Psycho. But I, I, I just think that lyrically outside of like the, 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 the direct references that are happening there, it feels a little too loose to the yep. source material that you're trying to pull in. Choose one lane or the other. If you're going to do like more of a personal song, then don't base it off a horror movie. And, and I want to say, because I guarantee you there's some fans right now listening to this going, well, why don't you make it better? No, because I can't. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sitting here and shitting on the guy. What I'm saying is, is that there's definite talent here and I think it could be better. That's yeah. I'm That's, just saying for like what I think is yep. strengths and weaknesses and yep, fuck, exactly. I don't care. Like I don't want to make an album like this. It's not something if I were to make an album it would be fucking this. So no. fuck you. <laughs> exactly. So the next one we get is funeral derangements, which is based upon set pet cemetery. I have no idea what yeah, this one just kind of blurred well like, and here's, the next here's the song thing. with me. It's just like Again, it was like it's like with the Zap album, like except that it took a lot more quicker than with Zap. And like I, it was just like the tail end of Joe's garage where I'm starting to like get exhausted. Like I'm exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> Track six. You and me both, Joe. You and me both. Like I had to actually when I listened to this album, I couldn't do it in one go. I had to break it into chunks. So I listened to a couple of songs. I would go to some podcasts. I'd listen to the next set of songs. I'd go to a podcast because I couldn't do it. It was exhausting. Now, the thing that sucks about that, Joe, is again, lyrically, when you look at the lyrics, this mm-hmm. one makes sense about why it is um, Pet Cemetery, but the vocals are so fucked up on it that you'd have no fucking clue. I mean, he literally says... Um, with church bells ringing, I'll start digging fast. They'll never know he's missing. Now the cat's back in his cage. Oh my God, Gage. Like, boom, I know right away that is, and I should know right away, but I didn't understand a fucking word you said. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. And, and I'll, I'll admit this one never had a chance with me because 
The Ramones Pet Cemetery is yeah. actually my favorite Ramones song of all time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Ramones did it. You know, you, this should just not even. Why even attempt it? You yeah. know, like, or if anything, do the Ramones, do a cover of the Ramones song. Yeah, do a tribute to the Ramones version because you were just, yeah, you, you're never going to get it. Um, Rainy Day, which is a reference to Resident Evil, which is loose in my mind. I, I've seen one Resident Evil movie. I think it was like the third one. I don't know. They're out in the desert. I never played the games. So this. Uh, nothing. Yeah. And, and the, the, again, the lyrics, you know, it's it's they're, they're, these ones are more tongue in cheek. You know, where evil has taken up residence, no face in what's white and red. Um, or truly save for a rainy day, um, you know, them going down a little bit more, become a soldier for the controller or battle till you beat the game. Like, okay, cool. I get that. Um, you know, and I, you know, and, you know, it's something, it's dark, something is creeping, the dark, in the dark, something's creeping. And it's like, game over, you died. Okay, yeah, I can kind of get behind that. But again, the the breaks and the changes and one of the things that's really odd to me is it seems like for like a first couple of songs the welcome the horror would theme kept like like you know the na 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 like like is playing through some of the songs and then uh, and then there's a like when you get to about rainy you know when you get the hip to be scared which is next that has kind of a different hook and that hook starts to kind of make its way down so i i feel like this was an attempt to be somewhat of a concept album or a rock opera and i i instead for me it felt like that story i told you before that band played and i was like okay first song's really good second song kind of like the first but all right third song fuck it's <laughs> gonna be this all fucking night isn't it Fourth song, yep, I'm God, I'm gonna go outside and smoke and drink till they're off the stage. This is what this is to me. Yep. And that's why I had to do the chunks and break it up. Yeah. Um, so next is Hip to Be Square Scared. This is my favorite song on the album. Yeah, I like this. Uh yeah. so I have a soft spot my for American Psycho. Mm -hmm. I, I love the book and I love the the movie. The book is one of the most uh disturbing things I've ever read in my life. Oh God! If you've never it's read it, so dark, uh, so dark. There's, let's just say there's the book is interesting in that it's it's from Patrick Bateman's point of view, mm -hmm. and it's mostly lists of how people are, what their dress, what designer clothing they're wearing, what they're eating. It's just like such all this minutia, and then the only time you get like details of how people actually look because the thing of the book is all the these yuppies look the same. You can only get like details of people as Patrick Bateman's brutally murdering them. Yeah, and isn't there, if I remember in the book, and maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering and remembering with another book, but isn't there a horrible death with like um, rats and uh, yeah? So uh, he yeah, yeah, believes yeah. it's uh, his uh, ex girlfriend. Yep. Yes. Okay. And he yep. brings <clears throat> her to his apartment where he is he's able to lock the door on the inside, so only he can unlock it, and then. Let's just say there's a there's a tube, mm -hmm. sulfuric acid. There's cheese and a rat. He's been starving for a few days. Yep. Uh, and let's just say he, you know, it's it's, it's the tube's it's, not it's, going in her mouth. No, no. Okay. Yep. I, that is the right book because I do remember. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's fucking disturbing. It's man. fucking it's disturbing. Like, yeah. It, it was just like, well, the, it's fascinating. But it's it really is 
Well, uh, because it's like it it gets so intense with the murder scenes and then it goes back into this weird him going to dinner and trying to find it, it's like and i think the movie did it well as well as you could because you if you're going to do a direct adaptation of the book there's there's no way it would ever be made never it would never be made no and i think they did i think they did it, i like the movie american psycho for different I, reasons because i love that i think the movie does better the parody of yuppie culture very much so. And the book, the book is just like, because it's so ongoing and again, it's exhausting. It's like the Zappa mm-hmm. album. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. It's just like, it, but that's how it's intended to be. And we're in the movie, the movie you got Christian Bale doing, you know, it's he's just hamming it up and, like, and he's great at it. He's great. And he's such a nerd. And like, I love like people like think Pat Bateman's like this really cool guy. He's like, he's the biggest fucking nerd. He's the biggest whole, fucking nerd. In the nerd. whole book and in the movie. He's just this idiot who just like loves like <laughs> like the most uh his view on music is just like as long as it's aesthetically pleasing he likes it <laughs> and if they do anything <laughs> weird or like yeah yeah and, and and also what i enjoy about it too is i felt the movie uh, has been so long since I read the book, but I've but I know in the movie for sure you have that question of is it happening or is it not happening? Like, is it in his mind? Is in, it not? And in the book, you know, it is happening in the yeah. Book. In, in the, the book, book it's he ends up. Uh, I don't really want to spoil it, but he no, gets called out by a cab driver. Yes, yes, that's right. At, at the end, where he, well, I just spoiled it. So, spoiler alert: if you're ever going to read that. Six seven hundred page book American well, no, Psycho that's that. been I'll around. Cut that, I'll, I'll cut that part out, Joe. I'll, I'll, I could take that out so we don't. Spoil no, it no, 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 no. All right, all right, cool. Spoiler I'll, I'll leave it alert in. for a thirty five year old book <laughs> is basketball. That's fair. That's all right, fair. like yeah. So Bateman gets called out by a cab driver. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's real in the book. In the movie, they film things purposely, like they film scenes twice with Willem Dafoe, like. One take would be him not knowing if Bateman's the killer, and the other take would be with him very much knowing Bateman's the killer to create that ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's yes. And I did like that. I mean, it's different, but it's also like why I enjoy Clockwork Orange as a book and the movie as a book. So it's like two different complete meanings yeah. getting out of each of them. Um, but well, yeah, like what the so I like American Psycho, and so like when he does the He's talking about Ice Nine Kills from Patrick Bateman's point of view with the, the infamous scene where uh, Jared Leto is Paul Allen and yes. Bateman's going off about Huey Lewis. Was, yes, yes. <laughs> hey, Paul! Hey, Paul! Yeah, do you like Ice Nine Kills? Not really. Their early work was a bit too seen for me, but when the when the Silver Scream came out, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. Um, yeah, it's... It's good. And the other thing that I like about it, too, is what's interesting that you and I both like this one because we were just complaining earlier about Papa Roach. And this has the lead singer of Papa Roach in as a guest on it. Yeah, that's fine. Like, you know, again, I liked it. Again, I have a soft spot. And it's it fall like they lean into the humor. Yes. I mean, you kind of have to like American Psycho is a dark comedy. And I want to say the the change of when it switches to the Huey Lewis style of music. Slightly different from hit to be square to avoid. Slightly different, but enough that you know it's there. That transition worked for me. Mm-hmm. And because it again, it that that was more like the Mr. Bungle 
style transition where it's like this, I yes, it's going to go there and it should go there. And I was happy that it did. I honestly wish he could have gotten the rights from Huey Lewis to use it in here because I think that would have been even more genius. But for what they had and what they could do, I, I really, yeah, this is my favorite song. And it was the first single to be released off this album. Um, the next one is uh, Take Your Pick, which is from My Bloody Valentine, which I enjoyed the 1981 a little bit more than the other one because I felt like the the remake, although it had uh, 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 Jensen Ackles from, um, um, what's it called, uh, Supernatural in it, I felt that the ending they're trying to do something like the 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 original was great for what it was and you should just stuck with that where they tried to make it more cerebral and that's not what my bloody valentine was it was a fucking 1980s slasher grinder film and speaking of grinder you have corpse grinder on this one from cannibal corpse which i really enjoy and again this is the one that i was talking about when i was comparing the corpse grinders growl or george fisher um with Spencer's and I can understand what George Fisher is fucking singing and saying. I always could, you know what cannibal corpse is saying. I can't with Spencer. And that's the problem. Um, there are metal bands out there where you can understand what the person is singing. And that to me is a little bit more of a talent than just being able, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, this one was, again, I enjoyed it because it does have Corpse Grinder on it, but that's really the only, because I was just like, oh, there's Cannibal Corpse. But for me, it was like, oh, we're back to this again. All right, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, and again, it's switching all over the place tonally throughout it. Again, I mean, if you know My Bloody, I mean, it's cool that they're doing a song about My Bloody Valentine because I don't think it's that well-known of a horror movie. Um, but the fact that they are, again, nailing points on it. Can't stop this gas-masked lunatic. He cannot be confined. He's got a bone to pick and a fucking axe to grind. He's got a bone to pick, a fucking axe to grind. I mean, the whole thing is set in a mine town. And, yeah, and they bring up even the name of the mine, the Hanager Mine in the song. It actually works and I think ties in if you know what My Bloody Valentine is as a movie, they are this one works lyrically in tying it to the source material. Um next one we got is The Box. Which fuck up a Hellraiser song. uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, you bring in members of Fit for a King. (laughs) <laughs> and atreyu you and atreyu that's that's how you fuck up i've never been a big atreyu fan no i've never like, that's that's another one of those like emo punk band hardcore band like i was just like yeah this sucks they you know i i mean their first album was i uh, but then after after their first album i was like i was kind of out i was like uh uh um and maybe for me you know that's like you know, I'm sure I have those people out there going, man, you weren't, you weren't real fan, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I get it, man. You know what? I, I love Modest Mouse. And I know people that bailed on Modest Mouse after the first couple of albums. So, yeah, I'll, uh, you know, call me out for it because I, I get it. Like, I know that's kind of the, the same route that Atreyu went was, yes, they refined their sounds a little bit and went a different way. But I prefer that earlier um, uh, iteration. 
Um, yeah, how do you fuck up uh, a Hellraiser song? I mean, I get it. Is it pain or is it pleasure? All hope is hanging on these hooks and chains. If you know Hellraiser, it's hitting on it. You know, it's pa- it's a paradox. Think outside the box. This is, if you're doing a Hellraiser song, the music should absolutely be matching. Yes, and it doesn't. Like, I mean, like, I mean, fuck, there's so much amazing visual stuff in the first Hellraiser movie and the second one. Second one's my I like I prefer over the first one myself. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. And wow. as and 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 to, to to say that actually it's really funny that we're doing this because I recently got um I got Cinemax on a deal. Um a Cinemax for, uh Cinemax, huh? They have all Paul's looking at a softcore porno, huh, Paul? <laughs> I wish they don't have it anymore. Um <laughs> but that's fine. That's what Pornhub's for. So the thing is is that um um they have all the Hellraiser movies on there. And I've been like, oh, fuck. Like, me and my wife have seen all of them. Like, all fucking, uh, what is there now, nine of them? That's I think. quite the journey, because considering like, at least one of them that was was just made just so they can continue to hold the rights. Which, I forget which one it was, but it was like a completely different movie. And they just kind of shoved Hellraiser into it. So they yeah, could hold it on was. To the rights. It was like a hard-boiled detective movie about a serial killer. And somehow the Xenobites show up. Yes, so that was, um, I can tell you exactly which one that was. It was Judgment. Uh, no, Revelations. Revelations was the one that was done, um, a, that was like done like a, sh- like a, like a, like a Blair Witch style. Um, you know, it was made like on literally like a hundred thousand dollar budget. It was, <clears throat> it was just designed that to keep the name of it. And then they did judgment afterwards. But yeah, I mean, anyway, I've seen all of these and I, I was sort of rewatching them again. And, you know, one of the things they bring up is most people don't know that the box's name that he has is the lament configuration. So again, props to ice nine, um, ice nine kills for including that in on the song. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I think um, the, whatever the lead guy in this who writes the songs, I, I feel like he's a smart dude. You yeah, know, know these too. details again, like you know, it's it's you know he got he he focuses he gets these small details right. It's for me, it's the presentation. It's the it. presentation, right? Absolutely, and I'm with you on that one. So yeah, I was expecting more and was hoping more because again, I really enjoy the Hellraiser Razor series. If and again, the books are is, is different as well. Like in the book, and the thing that people I think miss. The first two movies do this well, but Clive Barker's whole thing was Pinhead was not a villain. He was a neutral. Yep. It was the individuals and he was more like karma. Um, yep. And that gets lost, especially like hell, hell on earth. Especially after he's no longer involved. Like, I mean, yeah, then it's a, not a major character in the first movie. No, it's not and a major. Kind of make him more of one in the second one because they sold rentals because the the box of the first Hellraiser. You got this guy with a really cool look. He's not like that big of a character in it. He's like he's the judgment guy who shows up with his his crew, <laughs> which of course my favorite being Butterball. Butterball, yes. Yes. The Chatterbox is a close second. Chatterbox is my favorite. I love Chatterbox, but yeah, Butterball is phenomenal. Fat Xenobite, I you love. <laughs> and then, and then, like, and then in the third movie, you know, they start making Cinnabites like out of her um, uh, camera guy, where he, you know, and um, 
the, the, the DJ shooting fucking disc CDs out of his fucking skull. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it goes off the rails. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, when they got Hellraiser, they were expecting a slasher, that type of thing. And what they got was really a soft core uh, thriller um, with some really weighty, weighty um, um, ethical um, narrations in there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that yeah, blew people away. I've never read the novella, but I'd imagine it's. You it's should read the novella. Hard. The man is—he's uh, very, he's very creative in like the best ways for disturbing shit. <laughs> and I think there's—I think that's why Clyde Barker never got really picked up. So my mom had bought a Clyde Barker book, and I can't—I I can't remember what it was. And she got like because my mom was a big reader. We actually, my dad built her a library in in our family room, um, and. Um, it wasn't anything fancy. It was just like, Hey, you just put up, you know, shelves. And so she could put all her books on it. And she got a Clyde Barker book and God, I can't remember for the life of me what it was. Cause this is 30, 32 years ago, 31 years ago now. And she stopped reading it because a kid, a, a eight year old black, uh, black child, uh, gets used as a sacrifice. Uh, and, um, it's very graphic. So I snuck down one night and was read this book and I could see why Clyde Barker didn't get the recognition that Stephen King did because Clyde Barker was more disturbing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He went, he went to the real dark place. Yes. Yes. So next we get the fly, uh, yep. which uh, good old Jeff Goldblum. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, this one doesn't work tonally. I mean, lyrically, yeah, doesn't uh, work. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, I spent my life learning to fly. Desperate, a constant descent. Despite a constant descent, I was born to fly. I'm sorry. This one probably could have been left off the album. Yeah. Um, Again, you, it's, you're following up with like a Hellraiser, like it's Cronenberg. Yeah. Like, make it gross. You're make following it. up a Hellraiser song, which you should be making it gross because mm -hmm. it's a gross movie with a gross concept. And yeah, this is where like, you know, I think like these type of songs, I think would be doing better if you had more of a. Not this sound. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not know, this more sound. Of like a. You know, I hate to say it just because the guy's a piece of shit, but more of a Marilyn Manson approach. Yeah, yeah. It's I, you know, and that that's the thing. We, there's a void. There's a void. People want that Marilyn Manson sound and things like that. There's an absolute void for a band to come in and step in and take that over and run with it. Yeah, and I think Ice Nine Kills isn't it? <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's not. Um, and again, this one had um, uh, Buddy Nelson from Senses Fail um uh, on the one helping but yeah you know when i was listening to the lyrics again i my mind the way it is learning to fly where does my mind fucking go gilmer <laughs> god damn gilmer god damn it gilmer get out of my ice nine kills <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm sorry guys i'll go, go i'll go play guitar i swear uh, so, no, it's just yeah it didn't it didn't feel like the fly it wasn't talking about the fly yeah. it's more well, just because my favorite song about the movie the fly is the misfits version and it's talking about the vincent price version so yes yes joe yes 
Uh, so let's move yeah, on. It's like it's like with the, the Pet Cemetery, like a seventies, eighties punk band already did it better. Yep. Yep. So let's not go there or again do a cover of it. Um yeah. next we get worst vacation, which is hostile. Um I didn't like hostile myself. I, I didn't like hostile either. Um I mean the, the thing the only thing I like that Eli Roth has done is like he did a trailer for the Grindhouse double feature, which is mm-hmm. you can find it. It's amazing. It's uh, Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. It's like there's a Blu-ray. I own the Blu-ray of the whole thing with the fake trailers, and he does a fake trailer in it. And I love him as the Bear Jew in Inglorious. Fuck yes, fuck yes. He's the he's <laughs> amazing as the Bear Jew. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. One of my favorite fucking uh, fucking characters in a movie is the goddamn Bear Jew. <laughs> um, that movie's yeah. just so. I, I I'm such a. I guess I'm just uh, such a huge. I'm a fan of Tarantino. So. Yeah, God, yes. Like, well, like the older he got, the weirder he got with his movie. <laughs> I love that. I guess they're doing the Star Trek one. I guess they're doing it. I thought they weren't going to do it. I heard when him they do Pulp Fiction in space, and like all the fanboys were like, "Oh my god!" And he's like, "I'm absolutely if I do Star Trek, it's going to be Pulp Fiction in space." Oh, maybe that's what I read. Maybe that's what I read was was him was him saying that because I want Pulp Fiction in space. Give it I to me too. Like, please give it to me <laughs> because again, guys, Star Trek fans, if you're listening to this, um, understand that there's different. Worlds. There's different timelines. Again, the Calvin doing timeline. Doing different genres. Like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, look at kind of. And I hate to do this because you know, like these two fan bases seem to hate each other. But kind of see what Star Wars did with Mandalorian. Yeah, well, they make it like a western. You well, can do different things in these universes. Like my problem with Star Trek has always been so uh, stale and sterile. You know, like it's always just like. It has its moments where it's more fun, but it's always like each movie kind of feels the same as the one that came before it. So as a Trekkie, (laughs) um, I grew up watching old Star Trek reruns and then. When Star Trek, when ne- the Next Generation came on, that was a weekly show that me and my mom would watch together. Um, and then Voyager, we watched that. We didn't get into Deep Space Nine, um, but um, the 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 I got into Deep Space Nine. Can I, can I say the one I did like and yeah, all the fans hated was Enterprise? You know, and fair enough. I mean, the the thing with it is, is that, and this is what. I think people need to understand when it comes to these fucking fandoms, right? There's a place for all of it. Look, I understand that Star Trek was Gene Roddenberry's view of utopia. That is not lost on me. Okay. And when I try to explain to people that it was supposed to be a Western in space and people go, that's not what Star Trek was. That's absolutely what the vision Gene Roddenberry had was literally came out of his mouth it's Western in space. Okay. And Lucas went and stole it for Star Wars, where he well, basically did the searchers. He stole. Space. Let's be fair. George Lucas stole Star Trek. He stole Dune. He stole uh, John Carter. Uh, I, I just sto- listened to a, a podcast. Tarantino does a podcast now. And oh, they, awesome. They were talking about, uh, God, what's it? Uh, Dark Star, John Carpenter's student. Mm hmm. And he's like, they were like talking about like how Lucas ripped that. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, Lucas was a guy that he was a sprinkle on top guy. He wasn't an original idea guy. He was the guy that sprinkles the things out. So he took all these things and went, I can make it better and did it and didn't really credit anyone for it. So take it for what that is. But, yeah, no, Dark Star is another great movie that people don't know. Yeah, people should also know, like, the only reason the New Hope works is because his ex-wife edited to make it work. And he had. It was a mess. He showed it to. He, his the first cut he showed to Spielberg and Brian De Palma, and they were like, "This isn't good." <laughs> One, the opening crawl was like five minutes long. Oh God. Brian De Palma had to rewrite the opening crawl. He's like, "What are you talking about, Sith and shit? Like, none of this is in the movie." <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, you know, and that's the other thing too. The other reason that that's that the first two movies worked, and why people go Return of the Jedi is kind of eh is because, especially the first two, he had a lot of people around him saying no, and he was getting a lot of ideas, being like, hey, George, do this, do that. You want to know what you get when you don't, when you get George Lucas surrounded by a bunch of yes-men? You get the fucking prequels. (laughs) Yeah, like, the the best one is the one he had least to do with, which is Empire. Mm -hmm. And I I think you you talked about it on uh, Rate That Movie with Scott, where, like, Lucas actually apologized originally when empire came out because he thought everybody hated it yes 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 <laughs> just like no that. george no people yep. this people love this one <laughs> people love that movie um, it still stands up to me like not all the star wars movies stand up still for me but that one does empire empire is is is, is one of those amazing lightning in a bottle movies yep um it just worked on so many different levels um and it was so great but yeah no um uh but we're talking about the hostels we're talking about the hostel here and yeah i'm with you on this one i didn't really care for hostel hostel 2 i do recommend you see cabin fever um with that eli roth that it actually is really good um i do like the pun though in the, the 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 song title oh the worst yeah 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 worst vacation yeah and it opens up with um german and i will definitely take that that's fucking awesome there's a lot of german sprinkled throughout this um again it works if you know a hostel gorgeous <laughs> girls drinks and drugs all your fantasies but again if you don't know hostel like that's <laughs> the, the, you're not going to catch the reference of the song so that is the other thing i will say i i do believe I, and this is one thing that you and i have talked about with some of the bands throughout the the years of the podcast we've been doing <laughs> um some of them don't know who their audience is they know exactly who their audience is on this mm-hmm. and if you're into it i can totally see it you are into it and again i wish i could i want to yeah, i want to presentation it's just not presented in a way that i personally enjoy like i know a lot of people do so like again i'm probably in the minority yep that's, you and i both fine like you and I both. Um, next, we get Ex Mortis, which is which, it's it pisses me off because it's so forgettable to me. Like I have no, I don't have a lot of memory of this, and it's cut. It's the Evil Dead song. It's the Evil and Dead song. There's two trilogies I would consider perfect. Mm-hmm. The first one is the Back to the Future trilogy. Fuck yes. And the ex, the other was the Evil Dead, Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, and Army of Darkness. Like I fucking, I can watch those movies whenever, like mm-hmm. if it's on TV or something. If I'm at my, 
family's house and it's on TV. I'm plopped down and I'm just watching. <laughs> uh, yes, completely agree with you. Um, yeah, they're uh, even even Evil Dead 2, like if you watch it right after Evil Dead 1, where it does the phantasm thing where it recaps the first movie within <laughs> the first. Even though it's a soft remake. Even though it's a soft remake. Yeah, it's really weird how that goes. But then you go in the Army of Darkness, and my God, I really wish they had done a part four and done more of that. Like, yeah, that, but, hey, Ash vs. the Evil Dead was good, and I'll, I'll take that. That was a good series. So. Yes. And I, I, I am I am hopeful because originally the new Evil Dead, Evil Dead Rises, which is coming out next year, was yep. going to be an HBO Max exclusive. And apparently it screened so well that they're giving it instead, taking it off of HBO Max and making it a theatrical release. That'd be good. So, uh, so again, but people, it, it, the thing with that one and people need to know, Campbell's not, he's retired as He's that, done. As yes. That. But it does take place in the same universe as the first three movies. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, Bruce Campbell has said straight up he can't do it. He physically yeah. can't do it yeah, anymore. He's just, the man's like 60s now. <laughs> like people need to calm down. Let's not work Campbell to death. He's a fucking national treasure. <laughs> he's a national treasure. And he said that he'll come back for um, like video games and voiceover work and things like that. And he has been an active voice over person in video games for a long time, looking at you, Spider-Man one and two. Um, and, um, so, but yeah, it we is him a question and he answered it. Yeah. That's awesome. That yeah, is like, awesome. Uh, for the Joe down. I was watching Fargo. Yeah. It was a fake, uh, soap opera and the, they're watching in the cabin before the wood chipper scene and Bruce Campbell's in it because Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi were friends with, uh, the Coen brothers. Sure. And I noticed that. And then in season uh, two of Fargo, the TV show, he plays Ronald Reagan. That's awesome. That's and awesome. so I said, like, were you, so you're the only one who's been in both the movies and the series. And he's like, yep, I believe that's, that, that is true. And it was pretty wild. But yeah. 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 He's awesome. He just seems like a really awesome dude. Even his movie, Loves My Name fans, is Bruce. Man. Yeah, yeah, he does. He really respects and loves the fans. I mean, to the point where I've watched him like on podcasts, like promoting the new Evil Dead game, and he's playing it with his son. And he was very much in the in the interviews and talking with the fans. I, I think he's one of those people that is truly grateful yes. for having the life that he's had because of the fans. Yeah, and, I mean, it's just the yeah, he's just seems like generally just really cool dude. Uh, I'd rather be talking about how awesome Bruce Campbell is. Like his books, his uh, autobiography, <laughs> forget what it was, if Chins could kill or something. But yes, I think really, that's what it was. it's really good. And it goes into like how they made the first Evil Dead movies and all that. It's really interesting. But yeah, we're talking about Ex Mortis, which is yes, you know, we are. the song. And it, did, it just didn't work for me. It didn't feel like an Evil Dead you know, Again, I, I feel like these songs should be complementing the the movies they're referencing, and, and except for uh, "Hip to Be Scared" and uh, "Assault and Batteries," uh, they don't. So there is a big miss here, and I will call out Spencer on this one. There is a big miss here in this album, in this song, and I don't know. Like, sure, you're referencing "Swallow This" and "Groovy" and "Join the Army of Darkness," but you missed the three words. 
You should have done the three words. Lata, Kato, Veratu. Necktie. You said three words. Sort of. Yeah, I got the gist. (laughs) I got the gist. Yeah. You missed that part. I put that in the song. That would have that would have done a lot of fan service right there. And that I was, feel like that was a mess. Yeah, I said the words. I not maybe not completely clearly, but they were you know, every single little syllable. <laughs> oh, I love Army of Darkness so much. I love that. So much. It's so good. It's I I, I was so happy because I got to share it with my 14-year-old. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I finally got to watch it on my 14. I'm like, you got to watch this movie. This movie fucking changed my life when I saw it. Like, this Who opened up. you primitive screwheads. <laughs> <laughs> That's just pillow talk, baby. Uh, <laughs> you got real ugly real quick. You got real ugly real quick. So good. It's so fucking good. Sally Sally this Sorry. is my boomstick. <laughs> um, and then we get uh, Farewell to Flesh, which obviously is Candyman, which is mm-hmm. based on the, the second movie, Farewell to the Flesh. Mm-hmm. And again, at this point, I got to be honest, Joe, I was so done. I was so yeah, burnt out. I was out. pretty checked out by this point. I, I this, uh, I mean, I get it. And again, mirror, mirror. I'm the Candyman. I'm always inside. You know, comes to the mirror five times to handle a legacy. Makes sense. Candyman, 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 Candyman. Yes, you're referencing the stuff. You're doing it there. I will admit, I thought this was going to be short and sweet at 47 minutes. This felt really long. Uh, <laughs> it sure did. Paul. It sure did. And again. So I, I want to discuss, because I think it's only fair. This album is universally loved, by the way. Yeah. Um, it's got a four out of out of five on all music. Distorted Sound gave it a nine out of ten. Hysteria Magazine gave it an eight out of ten. Um, Carrying gave it a four out of five. Uh, Metal Hammer gave it a four out of five. New Noise Magazine gave it a four and a half out of five. Roxins gave it a nine out of ten. Spill Magazine gave it a four and a half out of five. Upset Magazine gave it a four out of five. And Wall of Sound gave it a nine point five out of ten. People love this album. And for me, and, and, and it is ranked on, and I don't know, I mean, again, this list is kind of silly to me, but well, I'll put it out there. Loudwire put it on number 45 of the 45 best rock and metal albums of 2021, which I, there wasn't a whole lot. Um, so, but, um, you know, in terms, I did go back. And I wanted to hear it, so I listened to Silver Scream 1. Compared to Silver Scream 1, there is an evolution here that I will give Cola credit for. But again, unlike, I keep having to go back to Mike Patton and Mr. Bungle, where the switches and the change-up and those types of things, they're smarter. And I don't want to, and that's not the right way of describing it, Joe, because there's a lot of smart and a lot of really smart stuff on this album. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I guess, more thoughtful. Let me put it that way. The, the movement and things like that are a little bit more thoughtful. I feel like some of the movements here were literally just to do the movements. Yeah, they're like, like pointless jump scares on a horror. You know what I mean? Yes, 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 Joe. Yes, 
pointless jump scares. Like, okay, now we're going over here. Now we're going to go over here. Now we're going to go over here. I, I, I think, oh God, which song was it? Was it, um, uh, was it, was it maybe Farewell the Flesh? But there's one of the songs where I think I counted six, six different movements in it. And let me point out one of the things I really do enjoy about metal music is, and I don't think, and, and only I think the real metalheads get this, is there is a synergy between classical music and metal music. Yeah, we discussed that in, uh, yep. I forget that. It was like our third. Yep. Yep. Second yep. or third. Yeah. Yep, yep, we discussed that prior. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I feel that synergy here, mm -hmm. but I feel like it the opera aspect of it got in the way. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was a couple times where the drums really took me out of it. Again, I'm very, 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 very picky about my metal drums. Um, and if the drumming isn't doing it for me, I am out of the song. Drums to me are goddamn really fucking important in a metal song and i, I just it's important in music in general for me like i grant I, I know everybody every drummer is not gonna be a danny carey or a fucking john bottom or whatever but mm -hmm. i wish more bands would pay attention to that shit honestly 100 percent. but when i'm listening to a metal song and i'm getting a really hi-hat tinny like tick 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 a sound that's taking me out of it i want that kick drum i want that bass i want you to match that low growl tone and the bass work and let the hives be taken care of by the guitar mm -hmm. and, but but let the drums comp you know be part of that guttural dark sound don't give me fucking snares and don't yeah. give me goddamn saying anger i don't want yeah. it i don't want it i, I almost like kind of like more bassy tribal drums and metal than mm -hmm. hats and shit like that. Like, yes, get rid of the hi hat on that. You don't need it or the snare. Like, you're fucked. Just get, throw it off your set. Throw it the fuck off yeah. your drum set. You don't need it unless you're going to do a drum solo at some point in the night to show yeah. off your drum solo. And let me let me clue you all in on something. Nobody wants to hear a drum solo. No, not not unless you're Neil Pert. Not unless, not you're, unless Neil you're Neil Pert. Pert. Otherwise, you're going to be like some Grateful Dead asshole. Yep. Zoning out for like a half hour while everybody's going to go take a piss. Uh, or, or, like John or, Bonham could do like a half hour drum solo. But again, these are exceptions to the yeah. rule. Like, and, and you Phil know, Collins. Danny Carey, if he did uh, a tool live set where he did a live drum solo, I'd be fucking there, man. Absolutely. Or Phil Collins. I, I watched him. My dad, again, my dad had it, was a huge Genesis and Phil Collins fan. And I can't remember which tape it was. Yes, it was on VHS. It's that long ago where there's a thing where Phil Collins goes back into the drum set with two other drummers and they have like this giant drum off and it's, and then they start all drumming together. That's fucking cool. Like, it's yeah. fun to see, but it's not really fun to hear. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, like with that sort of stuff, you need the visual with the audio, at least for me, I, I would, I, it's hard for me to listen to a drum solo unless again, like you're one of the greatest drummers of all time. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Again, I, I mean, I Neil Pert, I've seen like his big 17 minute drum solo that he did, and I can listen to it because I've seen it, so I can see it in my head. Like, you're right, I like to see that and like have that visual when I'm seeing the drum solo. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, get rid of it, just get fucking rid of it. Now, the bonus track did have some acoustic versions, and yeah, you said you're gonna do that. Um, and you know what? I enjoyed it. I did the, the, the orchestral versions and the acoustic versions. 
again, anytime you could take a song like this and strap it down to acoustic, it works. Um, so, and I again, couldn't see any of these songs being done acoustically just because of the jarring. Uh, and that's the thing. It's not there. It's not there. It doesn't really have all those switch ups. It's more traditional. Um, again, I mean, you know, Spencer does consider himself a composer and I will give him that. Um, you know, there is a lot of composition on this and you know what, Paul, after listening to this album, I'm not going to give him that. <laughs> Fair enough. No, nope, no. Nope. Just like you can call yourself that chief, but based off this album, uh, no, no, you're, uh, Pete Townsend's more of a composer ooh, than you. Ooh, ooh, we sat through that Tommy soundtrack, so that was rough. Um, yeah, I mean, I and I, I will say again, I would, I don't mind it. There's, there's, there. I keep going back to Mr. Bungle. I don't know. I mean, I, I know why because it really reminds me of like this is a trying to be Mr. Bungle, and I do think it's close. But you can't, it, it doesn't, no, in terms, no, 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 no. In terms of your, you have the idea, yeah, you, <laughs> you, have the, you have the idea. Now let's work on the execution. <laughs> yeah, the execution, again, that is the problem. I yeah. I feel like if they were able to. I would love be to Be more see- coherent with the sound. Yep. And vibe, like, you know, again, we got comedy with, uh, you know. It just didn't. Yeah, it's it's too all over the map for me. What I would love to see on their next album and what would really pull me in is, first of all, and the words of Henry Rollins, stop piss tying quantum. Um, overly corrected. If you can't if you can't hack it, you can't do it right. Um, in, in, in terms of I would love to see them get away from the Pro Tools. I would like to see them. I legitimately do some old, like black album funhouse um misfits get back to basics and record together and don't be afraid to again you're talking about some gritty movies you're 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 talking about horror movies allow the dirt and the warts and the scenery and the production to reflect that and because believe me, the fans are really going to appreciate it. Uh, if you gave me a really, you know, uh, I mean, hip to hip to be squared to me is the one thing that works because it fits the tone of American Psycho. Yeah, um, sheeny and, and glossy, and and Assault and Battery fits Child's Play. Those are two you nailed it. But then the other ones, it's not. Yeah, yeah. The Hellraiser song should sound something aching to Nine Inch Nails, you know. <laughs> <laughs> give me chains give me the rattle i mean that's one of the things like when when people ministry, are playing make it sound like a ministry song that would be yeah Cam fdm make it sound like <laughs> joe exactly because one of the things in watching the hellraiser movies again is you know when they're playing with the box and the thing comes what do you hear the chains you're the jingling of it the the you know there's that visual of the lights coming through the walls and in a dark room and you get that oh sound that comes with it and they you know match that tone you know, get, you, know you you there there's so much to, that are there that i again i i i'm hoping they do a silver scream three and i hope that 
they work with a producer that will allow them to not be afraid to make gritty non sheen <laughs> music. Um, and maybe that's just Spencer though. Maybe he doesn't want to have what that. He wants, you know, maybe that's what he yeah. likes. Yeah. I, they got their fans, man. I don't think they're going to do what you, what you're suggesting because they like the fans like this. Yep. And that's fine. And that's fine. And again, you, they have their fan. They have a lot of fans. Yep. So you know what? That's fine. Um, they're going to do just well without you and I on yep. it. They've been um, doing just fine without us. So. Yep. So, and again, as we said at the beginning, you know, we're going to be very fair and very honest when it comes to the album. So, Joe, would you recommend um, Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horwood? Nope. It's just, mm-hmm. for me, it's just not my thing. So, uh, mm-hmm. and I said that it's very clear. It's just not my thing. Uh, the way we described it, and if you listen to it, this is one of those things, it's either you like it or you don't. If you like this kind of genre of metal, emo, whatever sounding stuff, then it's for you. But it, it, for me, it's just not. It's just not my thing. So I would say no. No, I, I do want to. I do want to make it very clear that I am a metal fan and an emo emo fan. Um, and I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, and I'm actually going to um, basically parrot what you just said as well. If you like this kind of thing, it, it could be for you. But as me, as a metal fan, and as an emo fan, I didn't feel there was enough in here for my style of emo and my f- style of metal for it to work. Um, but again, if you are a fan of it, by all means, you know, and this is something that you can do it, the the symphonic metal and metalcore didn't work for me. Um, that that union on this album and again this may be the future of metal this really may be um and this might be a proto metal i mean i'm not ignoring the 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 ramifications of what this can really do because there is a lot of genre bending in here and i think it could i think this could be i think we could be talking about them um in 20 years and saying, well, God, probably not. I hope they'd be dead by then. But, uh, <laughs> um, but then going, hey, this is where the metal genre changed was bands like Ice Nine Kills. And, um, but no, I, I gotta say, I can't recommend it. Um, it, it's the, the, for me, the jarring against six different movements on six different things and it being the screaming and not being able to understand it. And, um, there are things I like in it. Like I said, there is a song that made it on my likes. I would say, check out hip, um, uh, hip, uh, to be scared. I would yeah. say, check out, yeah, check out hip to be scared. Uh, to me, I think that's the shining star on the album. Um, and it's, it's way up there compared to the rest of the songs on it. So. It leads into the strengths of what I think this could have been, but again, whatever. Like they got their fans. Uh, I don't see myself talking about Ice Nine kills in twenty years, but I, I've been wrong before. And uh, thanks for the suggestion. Yes, did this. Uh, you know, maybe not the review you're looking for, but I, I'm, you know, I'm always open to new music, and uh, I feel like we were pretty fair on it. Uh, and honest. don't be offended because it, it, it's just our opinions, man. Yeah. And again, you can just, probably suggest something to Paul and then we will, we will love, you know, like, 
So don't 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 stop. Just keep feeding Paul suggestions. Yeah, yeah, please. Take I will take masochist. I will <laughs> he open the box. I did open the box, and I will take fan requests. And again, I want to be very. You know, we are going to be honest. And I think, as a listener, as a fan, um, I think you should. I, 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 I. That's us, like respecting you, because the last thing I want to do is come on here and be like, oh my god, blah 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 blah, and then go, oh my god, like we couldn't even be honest because I didn't want to hurt that fan. Like, yeah. that's not fair to you. Um, you listen to us, you're a fan of the show, so let's give you your real honest review. So I hope you appreciated that. Um, and again, I'm always open to it. So just because we didn't like this one, Joe's right. There's so many different styles of music out there, and I, I'm happy to know about this band. I'm glad. I mean, I got a song on my new play. I got a new song on my playlist. So that's a win for me. Just be happy. I didn't. It didn't give me the the same visceral reaction that Lindsey Buckingham did. <laughs> <laughs> or, and, and this is better than Pat Boone. I just hands down. This is yeah, not, this is better than Lindsey Buckingham and Pat Boone. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll say it even. I will take this over St. Anger as well. Yeah, well, St. Anger's pretty. That's just, yeah. that's bottom of the barrel, Paul. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying. I'm, it's, it's better than a Metallica album. So there you go. That's a win. Oh. <laughs> uh, Joe... <laughs> what do you got going on at the Joedown, sir? Uh, this weekend we'll be doing a review of Point Break, the original. Oh, the original, yes. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Utah, I think is the. I haven't Johnny seen. Utah. I've never seen Point Break. <gasps> Whatever reason, I've never oh, seen. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm so gonna just tell shut you. up about it. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I haven't I'm, seen it. You're gonna spoil it. I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah, just like you spoiled a 35 year old book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say. To be say, fair, people don't read these days. So there's no chance in hell people listening to this were if they hadn't read American Psycho by now. There's a good chance they weren't going they, to. They, they never like, maybe our fans with our book readers. And if I spoiled it for you again, it's 30 years old, so not my problem. Um, so I, I will say that I feel like the downside to it is is the movie has this really mythic cult status that I don't know if it can really live up to. So that's yeah, all I'm going to say. I don't have any of that. I just know it's about surfer bank robbers. That's Perfect. all I got. So. Perfect. And okay, then we're me... following that up, Paul, oh, boy. with uh, my pick, which is going to be uh, First Blood, the first Rambo movie. Oddly, yes. one of the best anti-war movies mm-hmm. I think ever made, uh, showing exploring PTSD at a time when nobody really knew what that was. Huh? And, and, and the sequels that followed, which completely just forgot. forgot. <laughs> made first blood really engaged, really like critically acclaimed. <laughs> like, so yeah, yeah, we'll be doing that. Well, and I believe, uh, first blood had, uh, our CSI. No, what was it? Uh, NC, what was that show? Um, CSI Miami, um, our good friend David Caruso. Yeah. Um, it was hey, his first hey, role. Hey. It also has my, one of my favorites of all time, Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> is the, the anti veteran cop of a small town in Oregon. They drew first blood, not me. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah Rambo doesn't actually directly kill anybody in that movie, too. No. It's, I, I really enjoy First Blood. Um, if you've read the book, um, it's a brilliant book and there's a lot more that dives into the PTSD. 
um, and it's very cerebral in terms of like you're you're getting his thoughts yeah. um, and things like that. So yeah, the book is also I think just phenomenal as well. Uh, but yeah, the rest of them became schlock, especially Rambo three. Boy, that aged really well. The brave Pajadi. <laughs> 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 where he's actually running around with a guy named Osama bin Laden. Yeah, not the best. Um, awesome. <laughs> Oops. We're sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rambo 3 is a shit show. Well, that's awesome, buddy. Um, uh, all right. Well, Joe, what are we doing next week? Well, I figure it's time to time to put on our cowboy hats again, Paul. We're doing a country album. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's this is quite the genre change. We're going from. No, 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 no. Oh. We're going to be uh, doing uh, the album "Straight to Hell" by Hank Williams the Third. Ooh, you are a big fan of this album too. I like this album, but I I know how you feel about country, so I'm not really expecting you to like it. But it, Hank Three has an interesting story, and uh, I think it's well, the Williams family alone has an interesting story, but. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about this. Uh, Hank Three is interesting. He was in bands with Phil Ensemble from uh, Pantera. He has a he has a, a damn near death metal band called Ass Jack. So yeah, we'll we'll get delve into like Mr. Hank Williams the Third. Awesome, because I know jack and shit about Hank Williams the Third. So I'm really excited to um to uh um learn. Uh, about that um absolutely no I'm, I'm down i'm down i mean i've heard you talk about him throughout the years and i knew we were eventually going to go down this road so i'm, well, I'm like fine. With the horror theme i was like man like i could piggyback on that but i kind of want to do a misfits album and haul around halloween so we'll, Fuck yeah. we'll be going back to dan marison come halloween <laughs> oh yeah I, I think halloween i have a lot of like dark albums i'm gonna do around halloween so yeah totally totally um I love Halloween. Halloween month is going to be awesome. Um, and I will tell you, uh, Joe, so, um, and fans, um, there may be another podcast in the works. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I've promised some other things that were, were going to happen and didn't uh, come to fruition. But there has been some discussions about a possible another podcast coming uh, the Joe Down way, sir. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll believe it when I see it, Paul. I, I, as, as, and you know what? <laughs> me too. Me too. You've burned me in the past, you son of a bitch. I'm such a horrible friend. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, fuck. All right, Joe, do you want to take us out? No. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening.